Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to the Our Voice podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo. I'm the head of video production here at Our Voice. I'm joined uh, once again by my favorite co-host, Adrian Higgins. Hi. Hey. And uh, also joined by the man that does not listen to the podcast if he's not on it, Sam Ronan. <laughs> what? What's up? Way to throw me up. Wow. I don't, you know what? I'm going to bed. <laughs> Um, so how you guys doing? I don't know. I, I feel this, this aching stabbing sensation in my lower spine, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I might have to work that kink hey, out. Wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. <laughs> oh, As you can tell, the Our Voice team loves me so much. <laughs> um, hate facts. What can I say? <laughs> so, uh, so Sam, you just got back from the People Summit. Uh, how was that? Uh, it was actually pretty interesting. Um, there, there, a lot of people wanted to talk smack about it. How it was co-opted by the, you know, the establishment and Soros money and blah blah blah. But honestly, if you went there to do the work, as in networking and collaborating, and not just to sit in your own echo chamber or whatever. Like, there was a huge diversity of groups that were there. I mean, there was a Green Party uh, booth. You had Nick Brana himself there for Draft Bernie. You know, Nina Turner was doing the rounds, and there were all sorts of speakers and events. And there was, I mean, there they had rooms on how to be a better activist, for God's sakes. Like, if it was really, <laughs> if it was really co-opted by the DNC, do you think they would give you tools and resources to improve yourself? I mean... And, and not for nothing, but everyone who said that wasn't there. Like, people that were there almost universally said it was awesome and a great experience. Everyone that I'm seeing criticizing it weren't at, wasn't actually at the summit. And don't get me wrong, it's not like... I think the summit was best uh, suited for people who are brand new to the movement and are just trying to get involved in activism and grassroots mm -hmm. organizing. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying... It was for those of us who have been doing it for a little while or are very experienced or have spent years doing it. Like, obviously, I don't even fall into that. But, um, like, some of the, the meetings, sure, they could have been a little better. You know, some of them were just repeating the echo chamber. But then there were others, like the state um, breakout sessions, where they actually uh, develop call to actions for their local areas. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I got to learn about uh, some of the progressive activities in my own state, which I wasn't uh, previously aware of, and I made some great connections that way. So, personally, if you were one of those people that liked doing the work and liked doing the behind-the-scenes stuff, the summit was perfect, uh, a great opportunity. Yeah, and you, I mean, you made the rounds, too. You were on Aggressive Progressives with Jordan and Jimmy, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, true. Um, I, I suppose that did happen. <laughs> what, uh, did, you spoke somewhere else, too, didn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, there were a couple uh, interviews that were done throughout the day. I got a couple of pictures. So, like, I finally got to meet Jordan in person, so that was cool. That was a picture I took. I got my Nina picture, I got a, um, and I got to chat with her for a little bit about what's going on in Ohio. Um, you chatted with Jane? I chatted with Jane for a little bit. She had no idea who I was. <laughs> and you totally and then, forgot everything to say that you were going to say to her? Pretty much. And then I called James Levy Sanders, Sanders way, Levi. And, um, oh, after I thought it was Levi, too. Way, yeah. Well, he invited me to go speak at his little thing that he created while everything was there because at first, at first he wasn't supposed to be slated to have a spot. But he seemed very interested to meet me and liked what I had to say and, you know, was all in all just a wonderful, upstanding guy. It was really funny, though. I, I don't know how old he is, but he's clearly old enough to at least be my dad. He, and uh, He looks like he, he's like 70 and he's Bernie's son. It's the funniest thing. Right. So he comes up to me and he gives me the whole, like, <laughs> the, the, the bro hug, right? And I'm mm. like... Sir, I was expecting just a regular handshake, not all of this fancy shenanigans, but still a great guy, a great opportunity. And like I said, I met lots of great people there. I met the leaders of Wolfpack. Um, I got to see Nomiki again and uh, Ty, the camera guy. I know he's Ty, the camera guy, but he's like one of the coolest people. He's always he happy, cool. he's friendly. Yeah. He's, he's a really cool dude. Um, of course, the progressive bodyguard of you know the progressive movement, he was there protecting Jane. Uh, first and then like i think the nurse's lady the other time it's the big marine dude that anyway oh yeah yeah so you took a picture of him <laughs> um like nick brana john lancelot uh a couple of real progressive folks um i finally got to meet nico house in person but okay. we never did get around to doing like, an interview but all of that to say yes there was lots of uh opportunities lots of connections lots of wonderful people there cool cool and I did remember to uh, pitch our voice a lot, so I mean that we did get that. Yeah, yeah, definitely talked about some uh, other stuff that we have coming down the pike uh, on the horizon. Oh yeah, I, I pitched the app every second I could. I mean, and plus, by the way, Corey just did a uh, a, a, a part one of what the app is going to do. Mm -hmm. Freaking awesome! I mean, I think it was maybe a five or something ten minute live stream that he did. And I saw it that. Was, yeah, it was great. It was beautiful. I, I think we need to go out of our way to share it into a bunch of different groups because yeah. that is the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and other things you worked on while you were there that are uh, to come shortly. Big, big oh, news for you. So I did um, hint at and mention my... Exploratory. Uh, exploratory congressional <laughs> fundraiser run. Basically... That's code word for I just need to uh, sign all the papers and dot the I's across the T's. But, but it's exploratory. To, it's exploratory. And I intend to run against Steve Shabbat in Ohio. Exploratorily. Exploratorily as a Democrat against the Republican incumbent and kick his ass. Yeah. Which I think we will quite uh, readily achieve. Yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically, if this ex oh. exploration comes to fruition. <laughs> So, uh, you also had, had a chance to catch Bernie's speech at the uh, People's Summit. The current model and the current strategy of the Democratic Party is an absolute failure. The Democratic Party, Democratic Party needs fundamental change. Fundamental change. What it needs is to open up its doors 
to working people and young people and all people who are prepared to fight for social and economic justice. The Democratic Party must finally understand which side it is on. And that cannot be the side of Wall Street or the fossil fuel industry or the drug companies. Today, Today, in the White House, we have perhaps the worst and most dangerous president in the history of our country. And we also have, not to be forgotten, extreme right-wing leadership in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. Now, what I find particularly disgraceful about Trump is not just his reactionary economic, environmental, and social policies, or the fact that he lies all the time. What I find beyond belief is his incredible hypocrisy. This is a man who ran for president telling the people of this country that he was going to stand up for the working class. That he was going to stand up to the political and economic establishment. And then, then, once he got elected, and without a second's hesitation, he brings more billionaires into his administration than any president in history, And he hires the former president of Goldman Sachs to be his chief economic advisor. And then, then four months it is within his administration, he pushes some of the most destructive pieces of legislation in the modern history of our country, legislation that will cause intense suffering and pain for millions of working-class families. Mr. Trump, do not tell us that you are a friend of the working class when you propose to throw 23 million Americans off of health care. Don't tell us that you care about working families when you want to cut Medicaid by over $800 billion when you want to raise premiums for older workers in a very dramatic way. And when you tell, Mr. Trump, two and a half million women in this country that they no longer have the option of getting their health care at Planned Parenthood. President Trump, spare us the lies and the hypocrisy. Don't tell us that you are a friend of working families when you propose devastating cuts to Head Start, child care, public education, when you make it harder for working class kids to get a college education because of massive cuts in the Pell Grant program. Don't tell us that you support workers when you propose 
massive cuts in nutrition programs, including the WIC program designed for low-income pregnant women and their newborn babies. Meanwhile, at the exact same time and within the exact same legislation, as Trump makes massive cuts to life and death programs for millions and millions of children, working people, the elderly, the sick and the poor, at the same exact time, he proposes a budget that over a 10-year period would provide three trillion dollars in tax breaks to the top one percent. Trump's budget is the most massive transfer of wealth from working people to the billionaire class that we have ever seen in this country. Right, you made yeah. it in. There, although it, it, you barely made it in, it was like an insane line you said. Oh my God. So the line, I mean, first of all, you have to understand that this is a convention center. The convention center was actually pretty large in of itself and it was wrapped all around the base of the center. And I was like, damn, it was at least a 30, 40 minute line. And I wasn't even sure I was going to make it, but then I finally did. I got to sneak in real quick and I got to hear his speech, which was pretty uplifting. I mean, a lot of people dissed it, and I and I thought I mean it was a it was definitely a Bernie speech, and he he talked about the victories, right? Remember how we all were all like, oh, we keep losing, nah, nothing's working. No, he told us exactly what we had succeeded, exactly what we've been accomplishing. It was awesome. The the just the emotions that were there, the 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 just the culmination of almost a year and a half worth of work. Well, you know, the other thing he talked about a lot is, yeah, you're going to lose. He, he's like, look, I lost four times before I won my first seat as like the I think it was the mayor of Burlington. When you're running as an anti-establishment candidate or as a progressive, you have both parties trying to uh, throw roadblocks in your way. So you're going to lose. But what he kept saying and kept stressing was uh, don't. You know, don't let it discourage you. Don't let them get you down because if you keep fighting, you're going to win. Um, well, and, and there was a really funny, <laughs> there was this, uh, they did a, a pre-recorded questions from the audience. And I forget the gentleman's name, but he was like, you know, you kept losing over and over <laughs> and funny. over and over again. And he's like, okay, we get it. We get it. It was pretty sweet. And then James like, or Bernie was like, yeah, we had to use our $10,000 just to make it. And Jane was in the background, and mortgage the house. And he's like, and mortgage the house. <laughs> he was like, I was like, you're going to give this old man a heart attack. You can't do that. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, it was really. I loved it. It was an experience. It was definitely a good experience. And the great thing um, that we, the great thing was that, like, he really came out hard against these uh, the democrats which he's never really done before <laughs> to the extent that he did he called them a, you know he said that their strategy is a failing strategy um uh, I, I actually pulled some quotes because i was live tweeting uh for our voice while this was going on uh he said the current model and the current strategy of the democratic party is an absolute failure uh trump didn't win the election the democratic party lost the election uh he also, you know, he really gave it to Trump too in that speech. But he really, 
he said a lot of stuff that we've all been saying and that we know to be true, but just has not, he's been, you know, trying to hedge his bets and trying not to ruffle too many feathers because he was really hoping, I think, that he could get uh, the party to move left. But I think, unfortunately, he's seeing that contrary to what he wants to see, the party's not moving left. They're moving further to the right and further towards corruption. I mean, you look at what they did out in California at the, at the, the, uh, the convention out there and the, the sketchiness about the voting and uh, actually putting forth a fucking lobbyist for the insurance company against an actual progressive candidate. They're still not getting the message. I mean, even out in Virginia last, uh, last night, Tom Perello lost a primary um, to another guy who supports pipelines and fracking. I mean, these people are Democrats. Like what, what the hell? And, um, <laughs> right after that josh fox was tweeting like he just tweeted out uh, the news from that he's like we need a new party this is like absolutely ridiculous um and i do understand his frustration and i kind of share it but i i still think i i no longer think that we necessarily can work with the establishment i do think that we can win enough seats to where they're gonna have to bend to our will and to our uh policies because they're not playing they're playing dirty they're they're playing the same way that they've always played and i don't know about you but i'm i'm sick of it and i want to you know i want to show them what we can do on a on a national level <laughs> um i mean i agree you know it's it is frustrating that you know it's like they didn't take any of the advice that has been offered to them and and, and that's what it is it's advice like it's not that we're asking them to, I don't know, strangle children. We're asking them to enable children to live into adulthood. I don't think that's asking too much. And if they did, if they actually embodied some of these you know, leftist ideals, populist ideals, they would see a resurgence of their power and their strength, as well as popularity for that matter. But I don't want to, I mean, I think Adrian has some pretty uh, intense thoughts about this, though. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fed up at this point. Yeah, I mean, what can I say at this point? It, like, they're just yeah, they're they're playing super dirty. I mean, the only the only candidate they seem to give a shit about right now is John Ossoff, which who, who they're giving like unprecedented amounts of money. You know, is it doesn't he didn't he raise them more money than anyone in, in the history of the of house? Money. And you know why he's getting a ton of money because they want his to be the first big progressive uh, Democratic uh, seat flip because he toes their fucking line. He says, uh, "I he said something real shit." Like I really try not to shit on him because I think he needs to be Karen Handel because she's like a maniac who says things like "I don't support a livable wage," but. He said something real stupid the other day. He said something to the effect of, I would never support moving towards a single-payer system. Like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? You're a Democrat? Like, you, he sounds like a Republican when he gives a stump speech. Like, get, fuck him. But uh, vote for him. But fuck him. <laughs> but please vote for him because Karen Handel is a thousand times worse. And she's a maniac who doesn't even support people being able to survive on their paycheck. So he's a better option, but not by, you know... <laughs> He's not, he's not a great, like, don't let the media pretend like he's this super progressive guy just because he's a young millennial. He's certainly not. I was going to actually try to reserve uh, trashing him too much because he's still running, but 
Uh, I can't help it because because he pisses me off so much. Uh, well, yeah, if, it's any cons- if, it's in- if it's any consolation, I'm probably going to get attacked by both sides when I go on an unapologetic progressive platform, exploratorily speaking. Hypothetical. But yes, you, hypothetically. Absolutely, you absolutely, the knives are going to be out for you. And I actually wanted to mention, uh, I actually have a story here from uh, the New York Times because... Bernie's speech was awesome, and it was, like I said, the first time he's really gone after the Democrats, and I think he scared them. He's got them rattled because the hit pieces are are, are flying in. Uh, this is from New York Times. This is from Alexander Burns and Jonathan Martin, who was actually at the People Summit, but clearly just did not at all... Uh, none of the enthusiasm or the positivity of anyone that was there seemed to have rubbed off on him, because this is maybe the smuggest article I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, I just want to highlight a couple key things for you from it. Uh, so the title alone just just starts off with a with a totally false premise. Uh, this should, by the way, this should I, I, you, I talked about this on last week's show. This should be a new segment. Uh, shitty hack writers that are clearly writing with an agenda to smear progressives. Um, the article title is "Democrats and Split Screen: The Base Wants It All, The Party Wants to Win." Um. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I would disagree right there from that premise. We want to win by actually supporting things that the majority of Americans support. The party doesn't want to seem to do that for obvious reasons. They get a lot of money from, uh, you know, lobbyists to not support things like single payer, things like $15 minimum wage, things that the people broadly want, uh, but they clearly just don't want to get behind, even though they're supposed to be the party of the worker. So that's that's I think that's a fallacious headline right off the bat. Um, so the caption right under the initial picture reads, Bernie Sanders rallied his youthful, often raucous coalition Saturday night at a gathering called the People Summit, where supporters hailed him in worshipful language. Um, Democrat, so uh, Democrats are facing a widening breach in their party as liberal activists dream of transforming the healthcare system and impeaching President Trump while candidates in hard-fought elections ask weary voters uh, merely for a fresh chance at governing. The growing tension between the party's ascendant militant wing and Democrats competing in conservative-leaning terrain uh, was on vivid uh, split-screen display over the weekend. In Chicago, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders led a revival-style meeting of his progressive uh, devotees, while in Atlanta, Democrats made a final push to seize uh, traditionally Republican congressional district. It may be essential for Democrats to reconcile the party's two clashing impulses if they are to retake the House of Representatives in 2018. In a promising political environment, a drawn-out struggle over Democratic Party strategy and ideology could spill into primary elections and disrupt the party's path to a majority. So talking about idea, uh, like strategy or policy apparently is going to disrupt the party's path to a majority. Uh, on one hand, progressives are more emboldened than they have been in decades, galvanized by Mr. Sanders' unexpected successes in 2016, uh, and empowered by the surge of grassroots energy dedicated to confronting an unpopular president and pushing the party leftward. Mr. Sanders rallied his youthful, often raucous coalition Saturday night uh, at a gathering called the People Summit, where supporters hailed him in worshipful language. One Colorado couple hauled a small banner through the hangar-sized McCormick Place, pleading with Mr. Sanders, a still-independent Vermont Sander, to create a new People's Party. Uh, Mr. Sanders and many attendees enthused over the surprise showing of the British Labour Party, 
under left-wing leader Jeremy Corbyn in last week's election. Uh, Democrats can electrify voters, they warned, only by embracing the Sanders agenda of universal health care, free college tuition, and full employment. Yeah, because who wants that? God forbid. Uh, speaking for just under an hour, Mr. Sanders, who has met with chants of Bernie and uh, pleas of 20, 2020, crowed that while he may have lost the 2016 primary, we have uh, won the battle of ideas and we are continuing to win that battle. So he hailed President Trump in blistering terms, but earned some of the, his loudest cheers for attacking the party whose nomination he sought last year. The current model and strategy of the Democratic Party is an absolute failure, Mr. Sanders said to booming applause, arguing that the Democrats need fundamental change. The Democratic Party must finally understand which side it's on, he said. They, by the way, they leave out in that quote that the in that quote he says, the Democratic Party must finally decide, understand which side it's on, and it should not be the party of Wall Street and the big banks, was the full quote, but of course they didn't leave that in there because that would make them look dumb. Uh, yet the party's leaders and many of its candidates are far more dispassionate, sharing a cold-eyed recognition of the need to scrounge for votes and forbidding precincts. They've taken as a model of the Democratic campaign uh, of 2006, where the party won control of Congress in part by competing for conservative corners of the country and recruiting challengers who broke uh, liberal orthodoxy. Outside of Atlanta, on Friday, well, you know, let's before I get to that, let's let's talk about that a little bit because. <laughs> Uh, just the, the condescension alone, I think, in this article is fucking staggering to me. I don't think I've ever read such... What, what condescension? What are you talking about? That was pure substance and opinion without any bias or hint of uh, <laughs> personal vitriol. So, I mean, I, they, they create straw men throughout the entire article, acting like we have to choose between winning in, in red districts or uh, being ide ideologically pure. The reason Bernie does so well in rural areas is because he talks about shit that's popular with everybody. Like, you watch his town hall in West Virginia with a room full of Republican coal miners, and he's like, no, I just want to give you guys good health care and good jobs. Like, I, I, you know, I'm sure you guys don't want to work in a coal mine if you could have a job that pays you just as well that doesn't kill you slowly. I mean, they're all like, yeah, of course. And of course we think health care should be a right for everybody because these corporations are making millions off of our work. And we don't see shit from it. So this whole idea, and they know it's bullshit. They just, it, 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 they're being told to write this. I mean, they're clearly being told to write this because everyone's really worried to see a room full of 5,000 people cheering on Bernie and uh, cheering on these things that he's saying about the party being fundamentally broken. Um, yeah, I just thought the condescension with, that this article is written with is so, like... Mr. Sanders crowed that while he may have lost, you know, like, really? Come on. Uh, well, it also, it, it's kind of the, um, the, the, the separation of these people's views on the world and their understanding of what's going on at the ground, our level, right? The, the level of the people. And they only see it from their, their lofty purchase their bubble. to them, their bubble to them. This is absolutely the truth. That is actually the reality. Whereas if they actually took the time to look at the facts that rural parties, that community or that uh, county level Democratic parties in rural America have zero funding, zero support, and that state level parties do not have the resources to support all of their candidates, only in predominantly uh, Democratic areas. So 
it's and that's thanks it's to them so, too. Their top-down bullshit right. strategy that's lost them a thousand seats, eleven hundred seats now in nine years. And that notwithstanding, it's also the messaging. They've never, they've never told us what they're about. They've never really did a unified field strategy. They've never done uh, anything that was truly transparent and truly inclusive. And so you take a whole lot of things that are not working and not change them and continue to do them over and over again, expecting it to somehow work. I mean, what's that called? Craziness, yeah. insanity. Yeah, so what do you make of it, Adrian? Uh, business as usual, I guess. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm so cynical lately. I know. Adrian doesn't have too many opinions today. I guess she got it all out by lambasting me before this <laughs> podcast started. Oh my god, you're such Dang. a drama queen. It's unbelievable. I have very thin skin and my feelings hurt. I'm gonna yeah, good thing you're going into politics. I know, right? It's perfect for it, people with thin so skin. Nice well, hey, shit, you can be president if you have thin skin, apparently. So, And a Twitter yeah. account. Never, don't forget the Twitter right. account. Um, as long as you have those. <laughs> So now the article uh, at the end just goes into Asaf a little bit, which we were just talking about. Um, so outside of Atlanta on Friday, John Ossoff offered a decidedly un-Sanders-like vision of the future uh, in Georgia's 6th Congressional District, a conservative-leaning patchwork of, of office plazas and upscale malls, uh, where voters attended his campaign event wearing golf shirts and designer eyewear. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what a joke. I know. Like, really? In a special election that has become the most expensive house race in history. So take that in for a minute. Not even during the regular election cycle, this has become the most expensive house race in history for him to sit there for one year because he's going to be up for re election in 2018. Uh, the most <laughs> expensive house race in history. Mr. Ossoff, a 30 year old former congressional aide, presented himself as essentially anti ideological. Uh, which is sure to win people over because what people really love is somebody with no fucking idea, uh, no message and no ideas whatsoever. Um, greeting suburban parents near a playground and giving a pep talk to volunteers, he stressed broad popu uh, broadly popular policies like fighting air and water pollution and preserving insurance coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. Yes, that's going to win people over, talking about shit that we already assume that you should be on board with as a Democrat. <laughs> um Bucking the left, Mr. Ossoff said in an interview that he would not support raising income taxes, even for the wealthy, and oppose any move towards a single-payer health care system. Uh, attacked by Republicans for his ties to national liberals, Mr. Ossoff said he had not yet given an ounce of thought to whether or not he would vote for Nancy Pelosi, the House Democratic leader, in a future ballot for Speaker. His own race, Mr. Ossoff told uh, supporters, was about sending a message to Washington— but that message, he said, was about decency and respect and unity rather than division. And also apparently not at all about policy, but whatever. Uh, there's a coalition of folks here in Georgia who want representation that's focused on local economic development and on accountability, Mr. Ossoff said in an interview, and not on the partisan circus in Washington. So, oh, okay. So this is, uh, the reason I wanted to bring this last bit up that they say is because it's it's very misleading. Uh, the tension between Mr. Ossoff's message and the appetites of the National Democratic base has not appeared to hinder his bid for Congress. He has raised more than $23 million, an astonishing sum, largely in small online donations wow. uh, from Democrats seeking to put a dent in the Republicans' House majority. Several polls over the last week showed Mr. Ossoff leading his Republican opponent, Karen Handel, though both parties agree that the race remains a toss-up. So, 
you know, first, the, the biggest bullshit about this is that he raised it largely on grassroots donations. The party has funneled, you know, conservatively, I'll say $10 million into his campaign. Uh, a lot of fucking money. The DCCC has given him more money than they've given anybody. Way more than they gave Quist, who actually had a uh, chance out in Montana, but he got no money from them. Quist, Quist raised $500,000 from outside money, while uh, Gianforte, you know, the, the, the body slam guy, raised something like $8 million from the party. Uh, so he got outspent like 8 to 1, some absurd a number like that. Um, so basically, I, I need to find a way to come up with $23 million <laughs> to run for Congress now? Well, no. See, well, you gotta, it was a uh, body slam a supporter, uh, reporter, and uh, punch him a bunch, and you're good to go. Or, you get elected, apparently. Or, yeah, no. You gotta have an R next to your name. <laughs> well, there we go. Or, if you uh, have literally zero message and won't rock the boat or uh, propose anything that'll actually help people, the party will give you tons of money, apparently, because they're pouring money into his race, and... Well, why don't we just lie? We'll just lie for a year and a half, get it, and, and they'll be like, oh, by the way, just kidding. <laughs> right? I'll delete all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, you know, it's such bullshit. And, and clearly, this was written with an agenda and with a, hey, make sure you don't let uh, the progressives get too big for their britches, because they had this big uh, progressive ideas conference, and people were super invigorated, and they got a ton of support. And we can't be having that. We can't be having them actually win. Oh, by the way, one more thing I wanted to mention about the race out in uh, Virginia last night that Perello lost. It was a pri- it was a Democratic primary. Yeah. <laughs> they lost to the fucking frack guy. Um, he had he had some people on his staff from HFA, you know, Hillary for America, her her team, which is fine. You know, you got to find staffers where you can. But they were apparent, according to Nomiki, who is, I guess, on the ground reporting out there. Uh, you know, Nomiki from cons from TYT. She said the HFA people uh, told him not to get Bernie surrogates to come out there because they were afraid they didn't think they needed the progressive base's support. So, un- unfortunately, uh, Perella was actually fairly progressive, but he listened to some bad advice from the same assholes who've lost every fucking election in the last eight years. And he didn't have any Bernie surrogates and he didn't uh, really have maybe enough progressive support, which is why he might have lost the primary. He only lost by like, it, it was less than 10 points. I, it was not a big margin. Um, so, you know, I just, I don't know when these people who are perpetual losers are going to get the hell out of the way and let us actually give it a shot and see if we can, you know, win some elections because they clearly don't know how to do it, and they are still smug and insist that they can. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I just it, it makes me. They're nuts. just trying to bring unity, you know. That's 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 just, they're just trying to bring transparency to the party and unity. I you know. And leave with our values. <laughs> they put hope on the ballot. What well, when I you say? put hope on the ballot, you win, and when you put fear <laughs> on the ballot, you lose. Um, I, I really. Well, then they should put Adrian on the ballot. There's all sorts <laughs> yeah, right. of hope there. <laughs> so you know, I think. And that's why I think Bernie, in his speech, he, he kind of said, fuck it, like, that that's enough. He would never say things like that about the Democrats in speeches before he would allude to it. I think he, after doing the unity tour and trying to get them to move left, he realized that they're continuing to throw speed blocks in the way of his candidates and trying to stifle his progress and his movement. And he's like, you know what, they're not going to do it. 
I'm just going to have to, you know, go balls to the wall and totally uh, call them out for what they are, which is a bunch of corrupt, inept losers who can't win a goddamn election to save their lives. They couldn't beat the least popular uh, candidate for president of all fucking time, Donald Trump. You know, 36% approval rating the day he took office. That's insane that you couldn't beat him. Um, so I think Bernie realizes that. And I, I'm, you know, <laughs> things that have happened in recent weeks have made me realize that the party is even more corrupt than we thought they were. And uh, clearly is trying to stifle the progressive movement and using their media surrogates to do so. So I think it's time for a little hardball, you know, with apologies to Chris Matthews. <laughs> Chris hardball. Yeah, Chris hardball. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But, um, so yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that they're, they're clearly uh, being told to make sure that you don't let Bernie think that he's winning. <laughs> Winning the war of ideas. <clears throat> but it's not even that Bernie's winning the war of ideas. People are waking up to the fact that populism is solving our problems and that neoliberalism or conservatism is not. It's just simply we're no longer left versus right where um, we are, you know, populism versus not. And we're reaching so much more people by saying, hey, do you want to, like, not die? <laughs> Or because you can't afford health care? Like, do you want an actual job that will actually pay you a livable wage? Like, do you kind of maybe want to go to college without going into debt for the next 30 years? People are like, you know what, those are actually good ideas now that I think about it in a different term other than like, oh, a Republican didn't say it, so it must be wrong. Yeah. You know, people are waking up to the realities that, ah, our leadership is beholden to the moneyed interests, not our own, and we need to fix that. Yeah. And so anybody who holds that message and delivers that message, because, I mean, let's be real. You could have, you know, the eye care guy talk about the values, but he's not going to inspire anybody. People also want to be inspired. But beyond that, the message is reaching people, and that is what's winning, irrespective of uh, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's always said it wasn't about, it's not about me, it's about the movement, you know. Uh, don't listen to me if I'm saying something you don't like, he used to say on the campaign trail. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And I think, I think that's true. And I think Asaf made a real tactical error because he could have won the election without having to go to a runoff with that. He could potentially lose. I think if he had embraced, uh, progressivism a little bit more, but he just refuses to have any policy substance whatsoever. And, you know, it's, it's clear that, <laughs> He's not going to be fighting for change in Congress. He's just going to be more of the same. So uh, let's, you know, I want to move on to uh, something that happened today that's uh, a lot less uh, fun and enjoyable than bashing the establishment. Um, oh my God. So there was a uh, shooting today. And, uh, you know, before I get into this, I, I should say there's a shooting every day. There's several shootings every day. We're only paying attention to this because it happened to involve a uh, elected official. So just, you know, nobody lose sight of that because this this was a tragedy, but there are tragedies every day that are even worse than this where people actually die and we just fucking turn our backs to it because we've decided as a nation that we're not going to do anything about guns. So I just want to bring that up before we get into the story. Um, but uh, so this is from NBC News. Uh, James T. Hodgkinson, Illinois man identified as suspect uh, suspected gunman in Virginia shooting. Uh 
A 66-year-old Illinois man has been identified as a suspect in the shooting of a congressional baseball practice Wednesday, injuring at least one member of the House of Representatives. Uh, James T. Hodgkinson uh, allegedly opened fire at a field in Virgi- uh, Alexandria, Virginia, several law enforcement sources told NBC News. More than a dozen GOP lawmakers were there with staff. Uh, the shooter then got into a gunfight with police and was shot, officials said. The attacker later died, President Donald Trump said. The president paid tribute to the Capitol Police officers who likely saved lives in the face of a, quote, brutal assault. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders said in a statement that he'd been told that the shooter had apparently volunteered on his 2016 presidential campaign. Uh, By the way, I'm going to clarify that after we finish this article because there's a lot of BS around that. I am sickened by this uh, despicable act, Sanders said. Let me be as clear as I can be. Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn the, this action of the, in the strongest possible terms. Uh, law enforcement officials said the shooter was heard asking, are these the Republicans or the Democrats? That has raised questions about the gunman's political motivations, but officials uh, at the scene said that uh, pieces of the investigation remain unclear. Hodgkinson, a licensed home inspector, ran his business out of his Illinois home, had a history of arrest, and was charged in 2006 with assaulting his girlfriend, according to public records. At the time... Oh, what a shock. Yeah, I know. Domestic violence. <laughs> right? Uh, by the way, domestic violence is a crime, yet this guy had a gun. So I don't know how that works, but I thought ex-cons weren't allowed to have guns. But I guess it's state to state. And especially if you're violent, a, a violent, violent criminal. Offender. Yeah. Yeah, but guys, he just attacked women. Come on. That's not a real crime in this country, especially to the GOP. That's... The GOP was probably fine with him getting a gun. Yeah. I mean, that shows how... In fact, the, I'm sorry. What are you the guy he shot probably, you know, voted for re- legislation that allowed him to have a gun. I'm sure. Actually, in point of fact, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people were pointing that out about... Uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Scar- Scalise. Scalise. I almost said Scarface. Um it's okay he's, he's well it's not scalia that guy actually did die i know scalia yeah scalia scalia uh wasn't too sad that day but um so at the t- at the time the police recovered a pocket knife hair they say was pulled out of his girlfriend's head uh so real great guy and a 12 gauge shotgun at the scene of the alleged attack the case was later dismissed according to public records uh, which is a fucking shame because I think if he had gotten convicted, he probably even with loose gun laws that Virginia has, he might have been uh, not able to purchase a gun. Um, police accor- uh, police also responded to reports of gunshots at his Belleville home late in March, according to a police report. Calls to nine one one reported hearing fifty shots. Police said that they found Hodgkinson with a weapon in his possession and a valid Illinois firearms license. They told Hodgkinson not to fire his weapon uh, in that area as there were homes nearby. Apparently he needed to be told not to fire weapons in a residential area in your backyard. But uh, So this guy was real stable, clearly, to begin with. Uh, Other law enforcement officials with knowledge of the investigation told NBC News that at this point there's no indication that that the shooter had ties to international terrorism. By the way, nowhere, nowhere in this article does this article actually call him a terrorist, which is what he is. I mean, he's a domestic terrorist. Yeah. And they didn't mention his race or his religion yet either. No, of course, because he was a white guy, and he, you know, he, he. No, the only thing they mentioned is Bernie. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah, trying to. And the fact in. that 
I am impressed that they did mention his previous criminal record. That does actually impress me. That's yeah. that's a step up in their but, book. But that's also like, how the hell did this maniac get a gun? He clearly even like, and I know people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're being too liberal or whatever." I'm sorry. Even if you've been tried for domestic violence and the case was dismissed because of whatever to the woman not wanting to press charges or whatever it is, it clearly shows that you have a violent background. I don't think you should be allowed to have a gun at that point. Like a background check should flag that and say, look, this guy clearly is violent and unstable. Maybe we should not give this guy a gun. Uh, Well, I mean, technically it got, you know, dismissed and I will be devil's advocate for just one second. I know it's tricky. It's tricky, but I think there definitely needs to be a way to prove accountability and responsibility of the person. I mean, not not to get on the stump or anything, but yeah, the guy clearly should never have had a gun, and there should have been a way to prove that, and there wasn't one. Yeah. So uh, two firearms, a rifle, and a handgun were recovered from the scene, uh, ATF said. Uh, the shooting wounded uh, two, also wounded two members of a dignitary protection unit of the U.S. Capitol Police. The two officers were injured and are in good condition, officials said. Uh, the other reported victims, Representative Steve Scalisi of Louisiana, uh, the House the House Majority Whip, I didn't realize that, uh, a congressional staffer and yep. a lobbyist with Tyson Foods were all expected to survive. <laughs> I love how a lobbyist Tyson for fucking food. Tyson Food was there. Um, He's got to make sure we can keep hormones in that chicken, you know? Got to make sure people keep uh, eating growth hormone in their food. Yeah, no, no, we, Gotta it's, happen. It's, it's super important that we make sure we maintain that. Um, so just a couple interesting things from that, uh, <laughs> Dave Anthony, who I'm a big fan of, and he's been on this podcast, uh, before had a huge string of great tweets about this where he wasn't saying like, Oh, uh, you know, he wasn't condoning what happened, but he was also like, guys, don't lose sight of the fact that, uh, these people voted for laws that allowed this to happen. He also tweeted out, uh, imagine how awesome you are if you don't care about children being massacred but you do get upset when an old millionaire is shot. Um, because, <laughs> uh, Steve Scalise uh, voted against any kind of background check of any kind after the Sandy Hook shooting. So, you know. Yep. He didn't um, support Chris Murphy. Yeah. Which, which, which right. was the most common sense fucking bill of all time after 20 children were fucking massacred in, in, a, in an elementary school. We still couldn't even get them to pass a, a minuscule thing like a background check, which is... Which even I think something like ninety or seventy percent of gun owners even support. Like it, it's so common sense. If you're a responsible gun owner, you want to make sure that everyone else who has a gun is responsible and and you know should be having a gun. You don't want criminals having a gun. You don't want people that are violent or people that are mentally unstable having a gun. Um, you know, it's just. They're fucking so you know, and of course I know they're genuinely upset that a colleague of theirs was, theirs was shot. But maybe if you fucking idiots did something about this, we wouldn't have to do this all the time. Like, and you know, well, I'm glad it's affecting oh, them now. That's what I was gonna say. It didn't matter to them until it until it affected them. That's just like just like with everything else. I mean, what what do we have to do with you know healthcare? Do we have to find one of their children or family members? Give them cancer and then be like, oh, you're going to have to spend $2 million to cure your kid of cancer. I mean, as horrific as that sounds to say, it seems like that's what it would take for these people to understand that 
life is real and that it affects people all the time. Not just because it doesn't typically happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't affect hundreds of thousands of millions of people. It's disgusting, yeah. it's despicable, and it needs to change. That's why people need to get more involved in the political processes so that asshats like this aren't like, oh, you're right. Uh, people that are unstable or have a, a history of violence probably shouldn't have access to a gun. Like, no shit. Yeah. Like, hello. Well, but you know, I mean, even to what you were saying about the healthcare, unfortunately, that wouldn't even be enough to solve it because, A, they have great healthcare provided by the government. They actually have universal healthcare among congressmen. Yeah, and, you got a point. And B, they're such rich fucks that it wouldn't even matter if they didn't have healthcare. They could afford to pay the, the high thousands of dollars of hospital. They, you know, they might have to mortgage their third, remortgage their third house, but they would be able to afford it. They, they don't understand the struggle that regular people have. They haven't in, you know, a lot. We haven't been represented by actual representatives in a long fucking time. Like that was the whole point of the House of Representatives was that they were supposed to be real people representing us. Uh, but it's true. yeah, but now, you know, we have people like Nancy Pelosi as one of the leaders of the Democrats in the house, who's the sixth richest person in California, uh, or married to the sixth richest person in California. And of course she doesn't support, you know, $15 minimum wage or universal healthcare or anything that will actually help people because she doesn't even live in that world. That's a totally different world to her. That's why we need to get people like Sam into the house to actually represent real people because Sam, you know, is not a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> and um, he'll represent. And I'm a real people. Yeah. I'm, I'm alive. I'm a human being. <laughs> I bleed and, you know, I have a pulse and stuff. So I wanted to bring a couple other quick things about the story up um, that nobody has clarified in the media, but this is really important because they try to paint this like this is some Bernie staffer. Uh, and, and, you know, before I even get into this, Bernie Sanders has always preached absolute peaceful revolution and, you know, voting at the ballot box and seeking progressive changes. And he's literally one of the least hawkish, hawkish members of Congress. So to, to for anyone to try to take advantage of this politically to prove a point is is so cynical and fucking hacky and bullshit because he's literally one of the most peaceful senators that we have. So, I you know, I, I just think it's so cynical and underhanded to try to do that um so michael briggs who's the communication director for the sanders campaign told uh kcci that our computer records show that he volunteered for one debate watch party in iowa he was not on the payroll we never interacted with him i talked to people in the iowa campaign this morning who have never heard of him so he literally agreed to house a uh, to host rather a uh campaign a, a debate watch party at his house once like anyone can do that like he was not involved in the sanders campaign he wasn't a staffer so this trying to tie him to bernie is bullshit you know and what if he voted for hillary in the general election does that mean <laughs> a hillary supporter did it like it's just so ridiculous even if, if he had volunteered for hillary i would not blame hillary because no. hillary has never made any sort of speech to incite violence just like bernie there's you, nobody can point to any no, quote that said, go shoot up some uh, got people. Well, actually, in point of fact, there was one candidate oh, yeah, last year <laughs> running for the presidency who did, in fact, talk about violently engaging in the populace yeah, in public, in broad daylight. I believe it was on Fifth Avenue. We said that. Yeah. He, was specifically. he also specifically said, uh, you know, if they do try to screw me over, maybe uh, you Second Amendment people, there's something you can do about it. 
Trump said during his remember that he he literally said yep. like if they try to screw me out of the nomination implying maybe you can go fucking shoot somebody so if anyone's inciting violence it's that fucking maniac not any of none of the you know none of the democrats for all i criticize them would ever say anything remotely like that it's like disgusting and how come these that. and anthony how come these same people aren't blaming trump for that that horrible human being who cut the throats of those two guys on the Portland subway. Oh my God. That was yeah. guy was obviously a Trump supporter. Come on now. Yeah. There's no it question took Trump about a, it. Quite a, quite a while to disavow him too. Like days before his official Twitter account put out a thing that, you know, he clearly didn't write himself. Um, or, or, you know, the Charleston shooter who was a big Trump fan or, you know, we don't blame any of these right wing extremists on the, on the party themselves. Cause that would be ridiculous. These people are cl- clearly, unstable and psychotic and we would never say oh you know trump inside even though we'd have a better case in trump's case because he actually did say go out and commit violence but we would never say that because we're mature people and we understand that you can't demagogue a whole race or a whole group of people based on one maniac which is what right-wingers never get which is why they always just paint muslims with a broad brush you know what i mean like it's that that's the difference between us we don't paint people with broad brushes um, <laughs> but, uh, there were a few people on the left who, uh, tried to take advantage of the situation, uh, a total, f- I, I can't stress enough how much I loathe this, this human being, uh, Joy Reid, who hosts a morning yeah. show on fucking MSNBC, uh, retweeted something from somebody who said, too soon to mention that Bernie owes his entire political career to the NRA, Particularly, his support of assault rifles, his Republican opponent decried. Uh, Joy quoted this and said, I hope we have the maturity as a country to confront facts like this at a time, uh, at the same time we're thinking of the victims and keeping level heads. So, um... She's shameless. She's fucking shameless. She's such a fucking... She really is. It's amazing to me that she still has a TV show. So... But it's on MSNBC. Yeah. (laughs) So that's... No, there's no surprise. I, 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 you know what? Here, here's a weird thing about that. I'm usually, I usually refuse to watch uh, Fox News when they play it at my workplace. I change it. I change it instantly. It's like I'm not watching this filth. But I watch uh, for whatever reason it was playing in. Well, I can't really remember where, but I was watching MSNBC, and honestly, yeah. like truth be told, I, I just as bad. watched it with open eyes, and yeah. But it's it's just as bad on this side of everything. It's it's just this spectrum of bad versus this spectrum of well, I guess you can't see my hands in the podcast, can you? Uh, it's the left side of bad versus the right yeah, side. Yeah, they're, they're just partisan hacks. Like they're total right. And and I was watching, and I'm like, there is no substance of news. These are literally just pundits. No, it's Russia twenty four seven. And they go out. Yeah, they go out of their way to just say this is my opinion. So what we've really turned into, like MSNBC, ABC, blah blah blah. All they are are just entertainment television that call themselves news networks. And that is the problem because although our generation has become smart on that, the other generations have not. And it is negatively impacting their awareness of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, they don't. They're just curated corporate opinions, basically. Yeah. They, they hire people as actors. Like Don Lemon was an entertainment reporter, he wasn't a news reporter. He got hired because he was, was like, he had he like popped on television like he was like you know he had like a a face for tv he's he doesn't report well, yeah he's like he's handsome and he's non-threatening to, to whites that are scared of people of color <laughs> it's true it's really you know yeah 
as as ugly as that Which is, is there's just so many white biggest... people that are disgustingly racist. Well, he's also like the biggest Uncle Tom in the world. Let's be real. Oh. Yeah, but Uncle Tom, see, that's that's not a good that's not a good reference because Uncle Tom comes from Uncle Tom's cabin, and Uncle Tom was the guy who was helping people in the Underground Railroad. So it's like a super. No, I know. It, you know, it's it's one of those words that doesn't quite mean what it was referenced from. I think in in the vernacular, you know, people use it to mean what we we think it means or what we're saying well, it means, but that's not. Confederate whites thought he was a traitor. <laughs> oh, so is that where that term came? Because yeah, cause he... yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was helping he was helping people in the Underground Railroad. Oh. It's a Harry Feature Stowe's novel. Okay. Well, then he's the opposite yeah. of that. Then he's you know. So, yeah, Anthony, we need race. to we need to educate you on American uh, literature. But that's okay. Well, no, uh, the point people use the point that, is but, okay. Yeah. Wait, but no. The point is there. There have been a lot of things that have been co-opted. Like for instance. Make America Great Again would have been a perfect speech, like slogan for a oh campaign. Oh my God, Sam! We've already been through this already. He took it from Reagan. <laughs> but, well, whatever. He added one word to fucking Reagan's slogan. Okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is we've seen a history of things that could be good being used negatively. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or or taken out of context. But when was Uncle... America great for everybody? It That's, was never great for never everybody. Really this is the great. best time it's been for people of color and women. Like. It's never been great again for me. It's it's still not great. True. Yeah, it's not great for anybody really, unless you're super fucking rich. It's great for it's great for rich people. Uh, not so great for the rest of it. But uh, Adrian, I do apologize. I was merely trying to point out that there are phrases that are used in context, not in the way in which they were meant to be. So and that's all I was trying to say before I get uh, like slaughtered from across what? How many states are we apart now? Yikes. Half a country. The uh, same amount as we are always apart. <laughs> I, I've never kept count. So, anyway, no, but no, but so I want to. So Joy Reid tweeted that, and she's a fucking, she's a you know a host on TV. That's an absolute lie. Yeah. I want to show you why it's an absolute lie because this is actual truth of the situation. She said, or well, the tweet said that she called the fact that. Um, too soon to mention Bernie owes his entire political career to the NRA, particularly his support of assault his support of assault rifles, his Republican okay. opponent decried. This is the actual truth of the situation. This is from the Burlington Free Press Archives, the actual paper uh, from Burlington, Vermont, where this race took place from 1990. Uh, former mayor, former Burlington mayor Bernie Sanders is running for Congress, and the Burlington Free P uh, Press publishes an eye-catching headline: "Gun Lobby Might Swing the Sanders." It's an awkward alliance between the Vermont sportsman and Sanders, who supports restricting semi-automatic rifles. So he does not support, uh, he, he does support restricting semi-automatic rifles, contrary to what she said and what that tweet said. But Vermont's gun enthusiasts feel betrayed by the incumbent Republican, Rep. Peter Smith, who uh, won the endorsement of the NRA during his 90, uh, I'm sorry, 1988 campaign and later supported a ban on certain types of semi-automatic assault weapons. So the NRA backed Bernie, even though he was uh, supporting the ban on assault weapons, because they felt betrayed by his Republican opponent. Uh, Burke O'Brien, to send a message to him, uh, Burke O'Brien, the owner of BJ's Guns and Sporting Goods Incorporated in Williston, uh, promises to vote for Sanders to, quote, teach Peter Smith a lesson, like I just said. Bernie told us in 1988 that he supports a ban on semi-automatic rifles, and he said the same thing this year. O'Brien tells the uh, O'Brien tells the Burlington Free Press at the time, but at least he's consistent and tells the truth. Nearly 25 years later, O'Brien will say this is the only pro-Sanders vote in his life. 
Um, and then further clarification, the NRA endorsed Smith in 88, but Smith changed his mind uh, in Congress and supported a ban on certain semi-automatic assault rifles. It angered the NRA, which actively campaigned for Sanders in 1990 to oust Smith. In the NRA's view, Sanders at least was consistent in his opposition to semi-automatic rifles. So, total fucking lie that this person with millions of Twitter followers tweeted out to smear somebody and associate with them with a fucking mass shooter. Just to tell you the kind of person that Joy Reid is. So if you ever come across her show on NBC, MSNBC, just know what kind of fucking person she is and how hard she shills for the establishment that she tried to smear him with that bullshit. I mean, was the NRA over there campaigning for Bernie during the 2016? Were they the ones who gave him all the $27 donations? Because I'm pretty sure I didn't see them once. Well, no, Hillary tried to tie him to the NRA, even though he has a D-minus voting record with them lifetime, because he wasn't a complete, you know, uh, zealot about guns, because he lives in Vermont, and he was like, look, you know, I respect the Second Amendment, I, I do think there should be, you know, restrictions on who can get a gun, and we should have universal background checks, and I think he supported the semi-automatic uh, assault uh, weapons ban. I know people get pissy when I say assault rifles because I know that's not technically what it is. Assault weapon, assault rifles, an automatic weapon. I know. it's. I know it's a whole thing um, that I'm sure Sam knows about. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so total bullshit smear, uh, as usual. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, 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 that really... I, that's That's as tasteless as the Republicans, you know? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know why they always have to do this after shooting. They always have to play some sort of like ridiculous blame game. You know, oh, it was this, it was that. Yeah. Maybe it was the fact that people that are unstable can get guns. Maybe it's just that simple. Yeah, no, honestly. Ugh. And I'm sorry, but nobody can, again, nobody can point to one thing that Bernie has said that has even, you know, insinuated to um, gun violence. No, of course that, You not. know, go out and shoot people. Of course not. I'm, wait I'm still waiting for that quote. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, we soldier on. Um, so, uh, you know, just in closing, uh, I, you know, I forgot to do the plugs at the beginning of the show that I always do. Uh, if you guys like what you hear from us, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes because uh, that gets us heard by more people. And uh, we can do more podcasts if we build up enough of an audience and there's a demand for it. So uh, please go ahead and do that. Uh, follow us on uh, social media at Our Voice USA, at Our Voice Podcast. Uh, I'm at A Monterulo. Sam's at Ronan for Progress. Adrian's at Sanders still. Um, if you want to help out with Our Voice, you can go to OurVoiceInitiative.org. We're doing a lot of big things there. Like Sam mentioned earlier, we are uh, almost ready to roll out our app. That is going to be a comprehensive um, catch-all for a lot of things that the progressive movement desperately needs right now. Grassroots organizing, uh, general information uh, for finding candidates in your area, finding out how you can run yourself we want you know to help people uh run for office we want to give them give them those resources uh yeah and uh you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we head out can we just quickly talk about how five people have as much wealth as you know um half of the world's <laughs> population and one of them is big time humanitarian. And I say that in quotes, Bill Gates. He's, <laughs> oh, he's just so good to charity that he's just got more money than, you know, 
God. Yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm sorry, but Bill Gates could end world hunger and homelessness as we know it if he wanted to. He just choose, chooses not to. Yeah, Zuckerberg probably could too, but he, instead he's going to funnel all his money into a losing uh, presidential run in 2020 because uh, nobody is going to. Yeah, but you know what? Oh, you're going to say? I'll at least give Zuckerberg that credit of trying to make some change. But I mean, Bill Gates has his like foundations and he does some charitable work and he's like, you know, giving water to, you know, he's done those water campaigns mm -hmm. out in Africa. He does I'll help people with the water crisis here. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're, they're he could he could pay for the pipes with one fucking week's salary that he gets just from his returns in in the uh, stock market. Richard Wolf made this point. He could he could pay, replace the fucking pipes in Flint right now yeah. if he wanted to. He absolutely could. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't even notice the amount of money gone from his account. Wouldn't even notice. <sighs> it's just I, you know it's good. And I, and he's got such a reputation for being a humanitarian. It's such a joke. <laughs> it is. It's getting to a level where. Uh, I don't know how I don't know if people like rich people think they're going to run out the clock, but this is like Vichy France. Like it's getting to the income inequality is getting to a level where people are literally going to start like killing bankers in the streets if they don't start letting people make a living and like letting people actually get some wealth. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the, the kind of um, probably unpopular truth. What did we just talk about earlier in this podcast? The fact that a sitting congressman got attacked. Yeah. Yeah. People are getting, getting yeah, yep. things are escalating. One that wants to take health care away from millions of people. It makes sense. I'm not saying he deserved it. It just makes sense why he would be targeted because of the health care bill. Yeah. I mean, I, and you know, we obviously don't condone it, but. I, he, well, and no. listen to this article, too. This, this is a headline from the New York Post. Dad says he fatally shot daughter while teaching gun safety. Like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the problem is there are people that are not being properly trained, that are not being proper, properly um, introduced to firearm safety, and then they think they are and then try and teach others. Like, I mean, what was the incident with, like, the four-year-old killing the gun instructor, too? Like, oh are you God. kidding? Yeah, why are you giving a four-year-old a loaded gun? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And like, it was, like, one that shoots multiple, you know, what is that, a semi-automatic? Because it shot multiple shoot, Yeah. You know, she was shooting it like kick back on her. Right. Oh and it God. was one of those multiple shots. So because it was a multi-shot guy, you know, I don't know anything about guns. I don't know what I'm talking semi about, but because yeah, it was semi like a semi-automatic thing, yeah. you don't have to keep exactly. So she was able to kill the guy. If it was one that was like one shot per pull, she wouldn't have killed the guy. If yeah. you think about it, well, I mean, semi-auto, semi you, you pull each time, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. It's not a full auto where you can hold it down. But yes, but you, oh. but it's 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 semi-auto, and that Listen, you can keep going without Sam. having to. No, I get it. Out there in rural Ohio, you got to explain to us yeah. New Yorkers, us city slickers who know yeah. shit about we, guns, we don't speak right? Kick, Sam, right? So please next, explain to us how how guns work. Next podcast, guns up here. Ne next podcast, uh, I'll take my handgun out. We'll go click clack, and we'll we'll take it apart, put it back together, and I'll show you everything you need to know. Great. Uh, that would be great for an audio <laughs> podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, remember, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, all that fun shit. And um, catch us next week on the Our Voice podcast.